The Money Show. The Africa Business Report. That Africa Business Report brought to you by South African Airways. A proudly South African airline. Rona Kapoldis is Director and Africa Analyst at Signal Risk on the line to us from the United Kingdom this evening. Um, and you're, the, the, getting anything financed is going to get harder and harder and harder to do. Do we have a solution in the mix here, Rona? Oh, it's tough for African sovereigns at the moment, Bruce. Um, you know, the combination of risk aversion stemming from the Russia-Ukraine crisis, rising interest rates in the developed world, uh, which means the QE party is coming to an end, uh, and a more selective and circumspect China with its external lending is, is, is making things extremely difficult. So, you know, after more than a decade of accommodative monetary policy, the tide is changing, and what we're seeing for, for most African sovereigns is that they're paying, since the start of the year, more than 5% on the, on the euro bonds. Ghana, for example, is locked out of the, um, the international capital market. Egypt is postponing its Sukuk bond. Kenya and Nigeria have both deferred their issuances, citing uh, the higher coupon being demanded by creditors. So, I mean... The, the problems are there, which is resulting in dollar shortages and, and severe macroeconomic stress. Um, and I think, you know, in this context, it's important to look for alternative options. You've got bilateral loans, you've got multilateral loans, syndicated loans, which are options. I mentioned last time I was on the show, the IMF is becoming increasingly attractive. Um, and, you know, the, the rate environment is not, not benign anymore. So I think, again, longer term, it highlights this, um, the importance of diversifying our economies developing local pools of, of funding and uh, reducing this dependency on this boom-bust uh, kind of setup that we have in our economies. Now, yeah, and Zambia, are things coming right in Zambia? There, there was lots of promise at the beginning of the new government coming in. Are things turning around for, for Zambia? Yeah, I mean, the, the new president has, has had a lot of goodwill and he's gotten off to a positive start, uh, especially on the economic front. A uh, lot more orthodox and investor-friendly policies, but there is an elephant in the room, and that's the question of debt. You know, in 2020, Zambia became Africa's first pandemic-era sovereign defaulter, and that issue is still not resolved. So, you know, Zambia has signed up to the, the G20's common framework for, for debt, and, you know, within that process, they've kind of got five steps that they need to fulfill. They need to agree an IMF program. They need to sit down with their their creditors. They need to agree a restructuring proposal, get private sector buy-in, and then finally do the restructuring or the cancellation. The IMF is in town this week, and Zambia said that it's finally going to, after agreeing its its IMF program in December, it's going to sit down and have this creditor committee meeting. Um, Now, they still need to agree. It needs to be acceptable to the private sector creditors as well. Um, and I think this is going to be important because under the G20 common framework for debt, only three countries so far have signed up. Those are Chad, Zambia, and Ethiopia. So if this is able to kind of work, I think it could be uh, something that, that a lot of other countries facing, facing debt distress look to. But there are obviously uh, a whole bunch of risks around ratings, backlashes, market backlashes, INS conditionalities. So still a long way to go but positive that they are meeting this week and and looking to, to get on top of the issue.
Um, good, which is really nice. Um, uh, Rwanda in the news today because, of course, there's a, a big export of what the British government regards as undesirable migrants and wants to ship them off to Rwanda. Um, and then Rwanda's got other problems on its plate. Tensions with the DRC. That part of the world has been peaceable and uh, you know, uh, growth-hungry for the last decade, what, two and a half decades? Um, are things going awry there in terms of its relationship with its neighbour? So definitely some bilateral tensions at the moment, um, you know, some kind of tit-for-tat accusations, but nothing's really been substantiated. So, you know, the Congolese government is alleging that Rwanda is supporting the M23 rebel group in, in the North Kivu province of the Eastern DRC, and uh, the Rwandan government is saying that uh, Kinshasa is supporting the FDLR, which is a Rwandan rebel group. And, you know, in the past uh, few days, what we've had is, uh, you know, each have accused each other of of shelling. Um, like I said, you know, it's not been publicly substantiated and we've just had these accusations and counter accusations. And I think what, what we've seen is that regional and continental bodies have, have started to get involved to calm the tensions. I think, you know, two questions really emerged. So what's driving this? And this is rooted in historical factors uh, stemming from the kind of fallout from the genocide uh, around identity and who belongs and who doesn't. I won't go into that. But, you know, the bigger question, I guess, for folks in the business community is that what does this mean? And I think diplomatically we'll see in the short term tensions elevating, but I don't think it's going to result in a change in the security landscape materially. I think the fact that the regional bodies are coming out firefighting to try and calm the situation is is a positive sign. I think economically not much will happen unless foreign parties pull donor support. Um, And we know that Rwanda, for example, is very dependent on that. But I think, you know, more broadly speaking, it highlights the, some of the issues that the African Continental Free Trade Agreement is going to have and how this wider project of integration is going to be subject to these, these tensions, um, you know, on a, on a pretty regular basis. And then Malawi. Bless Malawi. Um, you know, what Jacob Zuma said, at least South Africa doesn't have roads like Malawi. No, I'm sure Malawi's roads now are better than many roads in South Africa. Um, but again, uh, you know, poor, poor country, so many migrants, um, you know, coming to places like South Africa, looking for opportunities, just lots of desperation and um, more trouble. Yeah, so Malawi has a liquidity crisis at the moment. Uh, you know, in the past few weeks, Kenyan Airways and Ethiopian Airlines have stopped ticket sales to Malawi uh, because of foreign exchange issues. Um, you know, import cover currently is at 1.5 months. You know, the, the widely accepted standard rates for that is, is supposed to be three months. And, you know, clearly the, the issues there, which is driving interventionist and unorthodox policy by the central bank. Um, and obviously in the context of these macroeconomic shocks that I mentioned, Russia, Ukraine, inflation, risks, um, the country is, is potentially facing a balance of payments crisis. And I think policymakers have, have recognized that IMS support is going to be central in, in winning credibility and, and stabilizing the situation. But the IMF are reluctant to get involved because the previous regime uh, lied to them about the, the, the economic figures and statistics. So the IMF, particularly after what's happened in Malawi and, and in other countries like Mozambique, is going to be very, very circumspect um, and, you know, this is, this is just another headache for Lazarus Chakwera to deal with. He came to power on the back of a lot of goodwill, uh, on an anti-corruption crusade, and he's lost a lot of, a lot of that goodwill. The macroeconomic situation doesn't help that. And, of course, we remember how he traveled to London last year 
uh, in person for a virtual conference. So, you know, um, it's a tricky, tricky situation and tough times uh, in Malawi at the moment. Thank you, Rona Kapoldis, Director and Africa Analyst at Signal Risk in the United Kingdom. Uh, Ronak regularly is a contributor to The Money Show.